0: Hi, my name is Nicole Dan, and I'm an interview editor for the Georgetown Public Policy Review podcast. Last semester, I had the chance to discuss labor conditions for graduate students with the Georgetown Alliance of Graduate Employees, better known as GAGE. They are currently in the midst of negotiating their contract with the university, and I wanted to find out more about how recent court decisions may impact that. Since recording this podcast, Gage says that the Bargaining Committee and Georgetown Administration are beginning to negotiate over bottom-line issues, basically wages and benefits. We're quickly coming up on one year since bargaining began, on the 8th of March 2019, and would like to have a contract in place that covers next year's workers.
1: I'm Deidre Nelms. I'm a PhD student in the Philosophy Department, and we don't have elected positions in Gage yet, so we're all organizers. I'm also a member of the Bargaining Committee.
2: My name is Corey Young. I am a 60-year history PhD candidate here at Georgetown. I've been involved with Gage since its inception, mostly as a department organizer, and over the past few weeks I've been involved as a member of the election committee as we try to support the bargaining committee with new members.
0: Can you tell us more about the Georgetown Alliance of Graduate Employees who can join?
2: So the Georgetown Alliance of Graduate Employees is open to any graduate worker here at the university. That's for PhD candidates, that's for master's workers. So long as you do some kind of employment here During your time as a graduate student, you will be eligible. So research assistants, teaching assistants, instructors of record, individuals who work over at Candles who do some kind of work for the university can be gage members.
0: So how are the negotiations with Georgetown going? What do you want to achieve?
1: So we won our election almost a year ago today. It's going to be a year in November. And the point of negotiations is to agree with the university about a contract that hopefully makes gains in the benefits that graduate workers receive, the pay that we receive, but also a number of structural changes. So a grievance process that any worker can pursue if they have an issue with management or their supervisor. And particularly important to us as part of that grievance process is making sexual harassment claims grievable.
2: At the center of our bargaining platform is THRIVE, which stands for Transportation, Health, Remuneration, Inclusion, Vitality, and Equity. And those are the core principles that we're bringing to the bargaining table to ensure not just that Workers here at Georgetown survive, but that they also thrive while they are here working and studying at the university
1: Are there any unique issues for
0: international students
1: that are within the union? There's definitely unique issues that face international students they many have a financial burden if they have to go home and so We're trying to secure a fair leave policy that will allow international students potentially more time off from their position if they need to visit a sick family member. That's something that we're bargaining for. Also getting language in our contract that international students are eligible for visa assistance from the university is something that's really important to us. And we also want language that explicitly and specifically affirms Georgetown's commitment to protecting undocumented students on campus and translates that into how they support graduate students specifically.
2: International student workers were actually at the center of our initial forays into unionizing back in 2016 and 2017. Over the summer of 2016, the Georgetown administration decided to change our work contracts from reading that an assistantship constituted a 15-hour work week to a 20-hour work week. And this would have been without any additional compensation or or changes um, or other changes to the contract. And they rolled this out without any discussion with graduate workers or those who it would affect. And thankfully, a very diligent graduate worker caught this in in the language and and sent out a mass email saying, you know, do not sign these yet. We want to make sure that we can have a conversation about rolling this back to 15 hours like it has been in years past. And the big reason that this was a problem for international workers specifically was that their visas limit them legally to 20-hour work weeks and so if they sign a document saying that their assistantship at georgetown is a 20-hour commitment that would render them ineligible to find off-campus internships to do research assistance here on campus or any of the other types of work that graduate students need to do to be competitive in the market once they leave here
0: another thing i noticed on your website was some of the struggles with the healthcare plan and how it needs to be different from undergrads. Can you talk more about that?
1: Yeah, so we're actually not... We're hoping that any graduate worker who wants to can opt into the faculty healthcare, but we actually are committed to just improving the student health care plan for both graduate employees, graduate students, and undergraduates. Um, So we haven't started negotiations over healthcare yet, um, and I don't wanna get into too much detail about what we're proposing, um, but we do wanna expand out the student healthcare plan and make it better for everyone rather than advocating to start over from scratch but i mean i can definitely speak to existing problems with the student health care plan while we have fairly low deductibles our out of pocket maximums really high so it's actually as high as it can legally be under the affordable care act at $5000 in network and 12 thousand dollars out of network so students who have an emergency if they break their ankle or they end up in the emergency room can pay you know twelve thousand dollars is about a third of our sometimes more than a third of our graduate stipend so that's really prohibitively expensive and we don't have any dental insurance or vision insurance and so those especially for low-income students who come in you know, not having a lifetime of dental care or um, dental insurance, I think it disproportionately affects low-income students and then that can lead to stigma or it can have an effect on your job prospects later on. And it's just really bad for your overall health to delay dental treatment. So dental insurance is something that we think is equalizing but also just really important for everyone to have.
2: Yeah, to add to what Deidre said, something that is covered by our existing health care but not especially well is mental health care and there are some things in place like the cap center here at georgetown counseling and psychiatric services that can work well i i had a Positive experience there, but it doesn't work for all graduate workers. It is a space where you might run into a student or other undergraduates that you know, and it is designed to be short term. So, if you want to seek out any kind of, of long term mental health treatment, you're probably going to have to go to a, a therapist off campus. Now, why is this a problem? Well, a lot of therapists are not in network providers, meaning that it's the lowest tier of provided service. So, without getting into too many details, this means that the insurance will only cover 70% of the costs of your weekly visits, and that can get to be cost prohibitive after a while. Now, there are some really great therapists who have been working with Georgetown graduate workers and who will cut you a deal and, and charge you a lower rate than they would otherwise. Uh, for example, my therapist has been kind enough to do that. I don't know what I would do if it was something that I needed every week and was forced to pay that that weekly cost.
0: Thanks for bringing up mental health care. That's really important But you also brought up the stipend. So I was wondering what would a living wage look like or also better working conditions?
1: Yeah, I mean DC is an expensive city. So living wage in DC is actually $37,000 a year for a single person and we're far below that number. So I think a living wage is a really good goal or a place for us to start bargaining as far as payment goes. We're also advocating for a hourly wage increase for master's workers who don't have stipends and are on the clock.
0: What would that increase be?
1: Uh, we don't have a specific um, number that we're ready to share, but we know a lot of TAs and RAs on campus make 15 an hour, which is about to be DC's minimum wage. And given that a lot of master's workers are really skilled when they come in as a TA, you know, many of them have another degree or were previously employed making a lot more money, we definitely think at least your work experience should be considered for a raise and that, you know, the skilled labor that master's workers bring should be taken more into consideration, especially given that PhD workers and master's workers do the same type of work when it comes to teaching a class, grading, and PhD students make a lot more comparatively. So, we think we should try to move towards equity.
0: So the National Labor Relations Board recently proposed a regulation which would take away organizing rights for graduate student workers at private universities. What are your thoughts on that, and how would that affect Gage?
1: Fortunately, it wouldn't affect Gage because we have negotiated an election agreement prior to the NLRB change um, that enabled our election, basically. Um, So Georgetown was concerned that the law around graduate labor was subject to change, and so they requested, and we Both saw the need to negotiate an agreement that basically says, regardless of whether the law changes for private universities, we're going to respect the results of your election. We won with an over 80% support, and we're going to bargain a contract with you regardless. So that took a lot of pressure on our part, but it is something that we're very fortunate. It's a fortunate position that we're in.
2: It is a difficult situation for graduate workers at other universities whose administrations have not been so thoughtful as to their needs. I believe it was Columbia who had filed a petition with the NLRB, uh, the, the Columbia Graduate Workers Union, in order to try to compel Columbia to bargain with them, who had to withdraw their petition because they were aware that due to the changing nature and the changing composition of the NLRB, one decision saying, no, you are not in fact graduate workers as students at as graduate students at private universities, would impact all graduate students at private universities. So there's been some really incredible solidarity of graduate workers in different parts of the country in terms of trying to respect everyone's right to unionize on their campuses.
0: How does Georgetown compare to other schools in terms of the rights that graduate student workers have? Just in terms of the contract that you want, are there other schools that are that have a better contract than Georgetown does?
1: Um, I'd say, I mean, NYU's contract is really enviable their union's been around since 1998 and they had a really protracted long fight to win their first contract and it's a seven-year contract I forget exactly when they achieved it but it's still into effect and they've got some things that we'd also like to bargain for like child subsidies for graduate workers who decide to start a family are they have a really hard time one because child care in DC is really expensive it can be Sometimes two times our yearly income to have full time childcare in the area. And also, adding a dependent on our plan is really expensive. So, those are two things that we've seen other unions win in a contract is uh, subsidies for childcare, and we'd really like to emulate that.
2: What about public universities?
1: Yeah, I mean, so University of Connecticut, another thing in their contract, and another of other, a number of public universities have language in their contract that makes it clear that they can grieve sexual harassment. So you file a grievance and you have a series of structured conversations that can be appealed that will help resolve the issue in your workplace. And that's a really powerful tool that I think all employees should have, including graduate workers.
2: I think it's also worth noting that at certain flagship public universities that have had a union for a very long time now, um, I, I believe the University of Michigan being one example, they have... Had these union procedures in place, they have been able to bargain for higher wages and better health care, and it's not like the universities have collapsed. People still want to go to Michigan. It is still a very prestigious institution. Administrations can work with graduate unions and and do so in a way that actually— helps the university to become a place that attracts a diverse pool of applicants who are able to succeed regardless of their personal socioeconomic status or background.
0: Do you feel like Georgetown has been pretty responsive to your needs in terms of the contract? How has that whole process been going?
1: So negotiation is ongoing. We can't really speak to the details right now of what's going on inside negotiations. We are currently negotiating over non-economic issues and would really like to um, move faster and wrap up that non-economic conversation so we can get to the meat and potatoes issue like dental care and health care and pay that I think graduate workers voted for. But the the issue of being able to grieve discrimination and bias and harassment is something that is really, really important to us. And currently Harvard is also in negotiations with their grad union. And this is an issue that Harvard has signaled they're not willing to concede. They don't want Harvard graduate workers to be able to file a grievance about experiencing harassment or discrimination in the workplace. Um, And so they're actually issuing a strike authorization vote. Um, I believe it's still going on this week. So the, the issue of harassment and discrimination is something that I think universities have struggled to be reasonable about, to be honest. Georgetown is, I think Georgetown is still bargaining in good faith, but it's not, it's been a long conversation about this particular issue and what that grievance process might look like.
2: Without getting into too many details about the bargaining committee itself, just last week Georgetown released its own climate survey that took a look at what the campus culture is like, and, and those numbers aren't always great, right? It's not just Gauges surveys that have shown that there are, are much too high levels of sexual harassment and assault here on campus that affects both undergraduate and graduate students. It is Georgetown's own data that that show the same thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, the the number to highlight is that Georgetown's recent climate survey showed that 85% of graduate workers don't report harassment that they experience, and that of graduate workers who are harassed on the job, 25 of them experience that harassment from a faculty member. Um, So it's exactly those situations, which it's the minority of students, but it's hundreds of incidents on campus every year, according to Georgetown's own data. And so, for those student employees, a grievance process would really make a difference in their experience at work.
2: Clearly, the argument that the current structures are sufficient does not hold water.
1: Speaking of the current structures,
0: what does that look like if you wanted to file a grievance right now?
1: So you wouldn't be able to file a grievance as an employee. You could go to the IDEA office or the Title IX office. But currently, the process, while the Title IX staff are really committed, compassionate people, that process just isn't as transparent as we'd like, and it doesn't have a clear timeline from when a worker can expect a response in a conversation from one of their supervisors or from Georgetown higher up and it's not always clear to graduate workers how these issues are going to be resolved. And we know that just reporting percentages are really low. So for whatever reason, workers just don't feel comfortable reporting harassment as is.
0: So what made both of you want to join the union?
2: So every time I I get this question, I generally respond with uh, solidarity and support for my fellow graduate workers. And I know some people who, who don't Love this response. They're they're wondering what it is that I would like to see Im- improve on this campus. And while there are certain things that I would like to see change, um, specifically having to do with compensation and healthcare, and and to echo Deidre's concern about a fair grievance process for workers, I mostly want to know that the people who I pass every day on campus are doing all right. I am. I come from a fairly privileged background, right? I I have my health concerns, but I know that if the bill is too large, I'm going to be able to seek some help from my family. And not everyone has that resource to fall back on. The union for me is, is truly about solidarity. It's knowing that someone one department over isn't, having to teach two courses as an instructor of record, as was the case in the Spanish and Portuguese department until very recently for the same compensation as someone like me who's only working as a teaching assistant, which is not to say that being a teaching assistant isn't work that deserves compensation, but that's... Individuals and other departments are having to do way more for way less. There is not parity. There is not equity There is not transparency uh, About labor practices here at Georgetown And, and I want to know that I am working at an institution that cares about the dignity of Everyone not just those who can afford to be there.
1: Yeah, I mean I think everyone deserves a union all employees deserve a union and graduate students who are TAs or instructors of records are just obviously employees and um, there's just power in a union and knowing what's going on with your colleagues, being able to collectively address issues that any one person is facing together. Yeah, I mean, I love the outpouring of support that I have from other members and I like the network aspect of being part of a union. You just have, um, you get to know your colleagues better and can form a united front. Um, But also we just need dental and higher pay and it's a good mechanism to do that.
2: And that's an OK reason, too.
0: Is there anything else either of you wanted to add?
2: Yeah, I guess while we're here, we we may as well say that if you're interested in learning more about Gage, you can go to our website, which is uh, wearegage.org. There you can sign a pledge saying that you back our bargaining platform. That was Thrive. And those pledges are very useful because they show that we have community support and it shows that we have the support of our membership backing our contract negotiations. And you can also become a Gage member on on that website. And again, anyone who is a graduate worker at Georgetown, meaning someone who during their time here will do work as a research assistant, a teaching assistant, or as an instructor of record is eligible to become a member of GAGE, and you can do so right from our website. You can also follow us on social media. We have Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of those accounts are up and running, and they're a great place to find out more information about the kind of work that we're doing and the kind of events that we have. Thank you. Thank you. A
0: Georgetown University spokesperson gave the following statement. Georgetown University shares Gage's belief in the important role that graduate student assistants play and shares its commitment to giving them a strong voice as members of our community. Georgetown is committed to continuing to negotiate in good faith and would like to reach a collective bargaining agreement during this academic year. Upon learning that graduate student assistants were interested in unionizing, Georgetown reached an agreement for a voluntary election that would be held and overseen by a neutral third party rather than pursuing an election under the traditional National Labor Relations Board process. That means that a union formed by an election held at Georgetown, should one take place, would remain even if the NLRB overturns its decision on the eligibility of graduate students to unionize. Since the election results were certified, Georgetown and Gage AFT began the collective bargaining process and have made progress and reached agreements on several subjects during negotiations this spring, summer, and fall. Under the election agreement, matters subject to negotiation include service hours, stipend levels for enrolled graduate students who are serving as graduate student assistants, benefits, procedures for service-related grievances, and the impact of various academic decisions on commitments set forth in existing award letters or expected hours per week for graduate student assistants after a course assignment has been made. Matters excluded from bargaining include academic decisions relating to admissions, organization of departments, units, programs, courses, curriculum and degree components and requirements, academic decisions relating to graduate student assistant appointments, establishment of university policies and related adjudication processes and sanctions and resolution of academic disputes between faculty and students. Thank you for listening to the Georgetown Public Policy Review podcast. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and check out more from the Georgetown Public Policy Review at gppreview.com. Thank you.